Scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all the things they had heard and seen were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mike. Good morning. As uh, Mark shared with you last week, and we've talked a little bit about this morning, we are in the season of Advent. And Advent is this, this time of waiting, a time of anticipation, a time of preparation for the coming of the Lord. And so we not only hold on to that promise that one day Jesus will come again, but it is also a time to reflect and to celebrate his birth. And so today we're going to continue in our sermon series, Visions of a Savior. And last week we looked at it through Mary, and then today we'll be doing it through the shepherds. So I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for this time to worship you. We thank you for a chance to come in and just to quiet our hearts um, from the busyness of our lives. And Lord, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would fill this place and that you would speak to each one of us through your word. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. When our kids were really little, we used to take a lot of road trips in our minivan. Now, I loved our minivan. Tara wasn't so hot on the minivan. You know, it was that whole soccer mom kind of deal with the minivan going on. But I can remember one of our minivan trips, and we're going through, and with three little kids, you know, you're going along, someone's bound, if not all of you, that need to use the restroom. And it's kind of like in one of those gaps where you're like, where are we going to find something? We're kind of in the middle of nowhere. We finally see an exit. There's a gas station. We pull off to this one. And it's just this old truck stop. And you're just thinking, just before you even go inside, you're thinking, these bathrooms, this isn't going to be good, right? So girls go in there. And so I have Kyle, little Kyle, cute, precious, blonde-haired Kyle. 
and we're going, and I see the door to the bathroom. I'm like, that door is nasty. Like, you, you don't even know what's on the other side of it, right? So I'm like, Jackie Chan, bam, kick the door in. Take Kyle in there. And there's like water and something all over. I'm like, this is worse than I had thought it was going to be. What happened in here? And, and I'm not going to get too graphic. But anyway, we go into a stall. And I'm like holding Kyle by his shoulders. And I'm like, go, buddy, go. <laughs> you know? And then I'm still holding him. I'm like, whatever you do, don't touch anything. Right? And then he's like, okay. And then I'm like, and don't let any of it get on you. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm going to take a little liberty here. <laughs> but maybe on Christmas Eve, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, he's saying to the angels, hey, angels, come over here. Hey, look, down there to earth, that's where I'm going. And maybe the angels leaned in and they said, earth? Have you been to earth? Have you seen how gross that is? Now, for most of us, we're going to think that earth's not that gross. And it, maybe it's like living in your, your college dorm room, right? You don't realize how bad it smells until like your parents show up. And they're like, what is that? And you're like, well, I guess you just kind of get used to it. So when the almighty, perfect Jesus says that he's going to step down to earth as a baby in a manger's, maybe the angels were telling him, whatever you do, don't touch anything and don't let any of it get on you. And yet, of all the places for Jesus to be born into the messiness, right? Not just earth, but in the messiness of a manger. We've all seen a lot of manger scenes. Maybe you have one at your house or around town and there's these nice, clean little mangers, right? But it wasn't like that. And it was in this old place with animals and it was a feed trough and it was, it was really messy. And guess what? Jesus knew exactly what he was stepping into. He knew exactly who he was gonna touch. And he is a pro at stepping into the mess of your life and in this mess of my life. Let's look at our text this morning. In verse eight, the beginning of our text today, we read, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping a watch over their flocks by night. Now, when you and I hear about shepherds, we might first think, you know, little kids dressed up in the, the Christmas pageant. Oh, they look so cute. Or maybe you think King David was a shepherd, so shepherds are cool. But shepherds weren't cute or cool. They were the lowest rung on the social economic ladder. They just were wanderers. They didn't have a permanent address. They didn't smell awesome. Their testimony would not be held up in court. They were the lowest of low, the rejects of society. And of all the people in the whole world that Almighty God decided to send his first birth announcement of the good news of the coming Messiah, he chose the shepherds, the outcast, the down and out. And he said, those, those are my people. 
So the shepherds were out in the field watching their flocks by night. And then in verse 9 we read, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord, Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. Why were they terrified? Well, first of all, they're out camping at night, right? Doing the daily grind, watching their flocks. And then, boom! Heaven cracks open. And there's an angel. You're going to be a little scared, right? Secondly, when a messenger of God shows up, the first thing you think is not, oh, this is going to go well, right? I mean, if you're anything like me, when I was in grade school and the intercom came on, and this happened way too often, I would hear, could you please send Teddy Thulin down to the principal's office? I never thought once, oh, I'm going to go get an award. I knew it wasn't going to be good. So when angels show up, they're probably not thinking, oh, we're glad you're here, scary angel of God. We were just having a Bible study, studying Deuteronomy. I don't think they were thinking that. No. I've camped with men before. It usually does not go holy, if you know what I mean. The other thing that is true is this. Every time in Scripture when angels appear on the scene, people are terrified. Grown men who are used to fighting off wolves to protect their sheep are terrified. You know what this means? That these angels, they probably weren't the fat little babies that we see on cards with a bow and arrow. That these were angelic warriors from on high that even grown woodsmen were terrified of. And the angel of the Lord said to them, and this is in verses 10 through 12, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. So let's unpack this proclamation. The first thing the angels say to the shepherds is, do not be afraid. 365 times in the Bible, there is some version of do not be afraid, fear not, be strong and courageous, don't worry, don't be anxious. 365 times. Why does God have to tell us once a day, do not be afraid? I think it's because we are all just riddled with fears both rational ones and unrational. Now, the opposite of fear is faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I think here's why. Because fear tends to paralyze us. While faith, on the other hand, produces action. Now, this doesn't mean that if you're a Christian that you aren't gonna be scared at times. But as Christians, we are called to move beyond our fears with faith, knowing that God is in control. He's in charge. And that's how this church got started. When it became clear to Mark and Jen and Tara and I that God was calling us to plant a church here in Austin, I'd be lying if we didn't have any fears. We did. But in faith, we stepped out 
and we said, here we go. We, along with many of you, stepped in to the unknown of planning a church with great faith. And over and over and over again in scripture, God tells us, do not be afraid. And then in 2 Timothy, we read, for God's spirit did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but he gives us one of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Second, the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news. What? And now I'm intrigued. I'm listening. And when you think about good, first of all, good is a relative term, right? Like if you were to ask me if I'm a good basketball player, it probably depends about who I'm playing against. If I'm playing against my nine-year-old nephew, Michael, I am awesome. I will dominate him. I will reject every shot. I will dunk on him until no end. But now if I'm playing Kevin Durant, I'm like the nine-year-old, right? I'm not so good. So good is a relative term, right? So I might be a little guarded when I hear this good news. What is the angel exactly talking about? And I think for us to have a better understanding of what good is, a lot of times we have to compare it with bad. And that's kind of what the angel is doing here and he's revealing. That the life that you're living isn't nearly as good as the life that the baby in this manger will provide for you. Then the angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good, good news, and I love this, that will cause great joy. And, and happiness and joy are different, right? Happiness is just, it's fickle. I mean, because it's based on circumstances or it's based on our feelings or... It's like at Christmas, we open up all of our presents, we go through it all, we got all the cool stuff, whether it's toys or iPhones or whatever. And, and then it's like by noon, we're like, I'm bored. You know, and unfortunately, that's probably gonna happen in a lot of our homes. But joy, on the other hand, is much greater. Joy sustains us and it grounds us, even when life is letting us down. And when you find Jesus... Joy will never end because Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you bump into a Christian, someone who really loves Jesus, but you know that their external circumstances are all just messed up, they're hurting, they're not happy, they might even be incredibly sad, and yet somehow, Within that, they have this joy. They have this hope that is found in Jesus. That again, is not based on circumstances. Jesus never changes, so our joy can be unwavering. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Imagine how that would, that last phrase for all the people, imagine how that would land upon a shepherd. The shepherds are probably like, you don't really mean us as all the people, do you? I mean, because we're outcasts, we're rejects. People don't even want us around. And the angel is saying, 
Yes, absolutely. He came for you too. Jesus is for all people. And if you put all the Christmas accounts together, here's what you find. That these lowly shepherds show us that Jesus came for the people who are forgotten, who are downcast. And then when the magi and the wise men, when they show up much later, they come from the east and they come on the scene. They show us that this all people part means that Jesus came for every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And even the religious people, those who trusted God and did what he said to do, Mary and Joseph, they too needed a savior. And if you don't hear anything else today, I do hope you hear this, that Jesus came for all people that he came for you. Now, I'm gonna be a little partial to this, again, this all the people part, and here's why. Because the vine is a movement for all the people. We wanna be a church where all people can discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. No matter where you come from, no matter what position you hold, no matter what your income is, no matter what your skin tone is, no matter what age you are, regardless of what you have done, what you believe, what you are doing, it doesn't matter how you fit into that all category because you're welcome here. That was Jesus' invitation and that's our invitation to you as well. It includes all the people. Then the angel declares, today in the town of David, a savior, a savior has been born to you. Now this is important. Of all the things that the angels declare, they want the shepherds to know, and they want us to know too, that Jesus was born to be a savior. And now what's interesting is, they didn't call him a teacher Although he was a teacher, and as we know, he did, he did teach, right? They didn't call him a rabbi, although he was a rabbi. The angel didn't call him a religious figure, but that is true too. None of those names. They call him Savior because he came to save. Exhausted, he came to save you. In a pit of despair, he came to save you. Desperate, he came to save you. Broken hearted, he came to save you. Hardened and calloused, beaten and bruised, he came to save you. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus gives this invitation and listen to how similar it is to the declaration that the angels gave. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is a savior. And being in relationship with Jesus Christ, the result in our lives is peace and rest for our souls. Then in verses 15 through 16, notice the immediate response of the shepherds. They say, let us now go. And they went with haste. It speaks of the urgency that they viewed to go to Bethlehem and to see the Savior. They went while they had an opportunity. Maybe they thought they wouldn't get another chance. And lastly, in verses 17 through 18, we read, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. Having seen this infant savior, the shepherds' hearts were overflowing with joy and excitement. They had to tell others before they returned to their flocks. They couldn't keep it in. And people were amazed. Why? One, because of the message. And two, because of the messengers. Again, these shepherds were the lowly outcasts. And they were visibly changed. They went from being on on the fringe of society to being the first evangelists to tell of Jesus' birth. And I want to encourage you, never underestimate the fact that when Jesus changes your life and you tell your friends, your family about it, it's going to amaze them because they know you better than anyone else. They're going to see that change. In this small village of Bethlehem, even though the shepherds lived out on the hillside, the people knew who they were. They kind of kept to themselves and they were pushed aside. They saw the change because now here they are and they're boldly telling others about Jesus. I pray that each one of us, and I hope that we can be that bold as well, that we won't pass up the opportunity to tell about Jesus and not only his birth, but again, he came to be our savior to save us from sin and death, to bring us back into a right relationship with our heavenly father. And I pray that you will be bold inviting somebody, whether it's to church next Sunday or to our Christmas Eve service, or if you go to another church on Christmas Eve, to invite them there. Be bold, because this time of year, more than any other, people are more likely to say yes to your invitation to church. Yes, these shepherds, they got an angel. And as we've read, that would be amazing and it would be terrifying if that happened for us. But notice that everybody else got a shepherd. And I love that because like shepherds, God wants to use you and I to tell others about this good news of great joy that a savior has been born. And the question that I want to leave you with is this. What is going to be your response to this good news of great joy 
this Christmas.